This is Spooky Context, where we retell the stories of the unexplained in the Southwest through the lens of history, folklore, and social memory. Okay, we're back with, I guess you'd call this part two of the Resurrection Mary yeah. type stories. Yeah, Resurrection Mary part two. Phantom Hitchhikers. Phantom Hitchhiker part two, uh, the Clarity story. Okay, so a little background to understand this story. Um, a lot of what I'm kind of basing the, this whole kind of podcast off of is based off a of format of a show that was real popular in the 90s and early 2000s called Coast to Coast AM when it was hosted by Art Bell. Art did a, a show every Halloween called Ghost to Ghost where it was basically people calling in late night radio between midnight and 4 a.m. and telling ghost stories. And yeah, and as Art yeah. Bell always said, he wanted true personal ghost stories. Right. He, he didn't want any fake bullshit. He didn't want anything like He wanted honest encounters. And I, I think just a little kind of personal story with it. I think I, fir I first heard the, the first ghost to ghost that, I can recall, and I think it was 97, and and I was like 13 years old, um, and I got hooked. I You know, I'd watch the X-Files and everything like that and always kind of had, you know, so, sort of a, a sideways glance kind of interest in the paranormal, but I really didn't start really honestly kind of looking into it and researching until I heard art. And, and I, I just love the way art, Art could tell a story, especially they they send him fact stories, and Art just had a particular kind of cadence in the way he would tell those stories. It was very, very interesting. And I believe it was in 99, there was this guy who called in, and his name, name he always said like this, was Dean from Tampa. And he called in, and he told this story about an area that's, oh, I don't know, about 10 miles away from where, where we're at right now. Yep. In Grapevine, Texas. Yeah, so I said he was uh he was like a young uh young college like freshman sophomore or something like that. Yeah, something early, like that. Early years in college, he was at a at a party uh with one of his friends uh, somewhere in Grapevine. And he had said he just moved down from Alaska. Yeah, he he lived in Alaska. He just moved down from Alaska to go to to college here. Yeah. And was at a party in Grapevine. And he said he met a girl, and the, and the girl's name was Clarity. And they apparently really hit it off, got to talking, and left the party early. And what, what was it? He was taking her yeah, like home? The, yeah, like they decide they want to go home, and she needs a ride home. And she's telling him, you know, it, you know, I, I don't live too far from here. And she starts telling him how to, how to get there. And he thinks, okay, that, that's fine. That sounds fine. I can do that. It was supposed to be in Denton. I believe. I don't think it was supposed to be in Denton. I think they just eventually sort of ended up making their way to Denton. Is that what it was? I think that's what it was. Because they ended up somehow in a cemetery in Denton. Yeah, because, yeah. Uh, here, here, keep going. I'm pulling I, up I don't a map. remember. I don't remember, but, um, yeah, like, uh, she was trying to tell him how to get to wherever it was that she was trying to get to, him being from Alaska and not being from Texas, 
uh, got himself turned around. And the part I remember from listening to the stories that he always said, you know, I, I started figuring out that something wasn't right about that. I'd gotten something wrong when I started seeing signs telling me I was, you know, X number of miles away from Oklahoma. And, and see, I, I guess I don't know if he just got tripped up or, or, or what, because I, you know, I guess, I, I don't know. You drive to Denton. Are there signs to Oklahoma going up towards um, Denton? Once you get to maybe a, around like Argyle, um, yeah. I don't see like the number of, uh, the sign telling me, you know, like X number of miles to Oklahoma or anything, but I do see the signs, you know, like, you know, uh, 35 North this way to Oklahoma, you know, whatever. That could have been what he was so talking maybe about. Maybe that's, I don't, I don't know. Well, you, you know, this story was supposedly, he said it happened in like 87 or 88, something like that. I, I, I think he said that at one I, point. I don't remember. Well, but. He told the story twice on Coast to Coast. Yeah, he he called in and told the story on two different years. He told it, he told to it once to Art. I actually looked it up. Uh, before this, he told it once to Art in 1999, and then he told it to Ian Punnett in 2008, I believe. And, and what got me the most about his story is he told the damn thing almost identical. I mean, e either this guy is a, a incredibly good liar and, and absolutely rehearsed it down to the detail, or this happened. I, I, I really, I, I mean, I, I have listened to those two stories of him retelling it so many times that I think he's telling the truth. I really do. Yeah. And so, yeah. But anyway, so he's yeah, he's trying to take this girl home. They get turned around. Eventually, they end up in Denton, in Denton, Texas, which, if you don't know, is about maybe half an hour north of Fort Worth. Yeah, well, depending on well, traffic. Yeah, depending on traffic, but, you know, traffic being relatively normal about half an hour north of Fort Worth. Um, so they get up into Denton, and she, and she apparently sees an area that she's familiar with. She starts telling him, oh, yeah, I, you know, I, I know this place. I have some friends who live in an apartment complex near here. You know, it's no problem. And somehow they end up in a cemetery, somewhere in Denton. But she's telling him, you know, no, it, it's it's okay. You know, I have friends who are who live in an apartment complex not too far from here. And then for some reason she tells him, you know, let let's go look in the cemetery. I want to go see the cemetery. Because sure, when you're out driving around and, you know, half lost in a city you don't know, sure, of course, let's go look in the cemetery. And one detail he said about this is he came up over a hill, he saw the apartments, and then he could see the cemetery past it. Like the gates over the cemetery were by the apartment. I've looked this up to topographically, I think that's the right term for it. Um, there is one cemetery that kind of meets that criteria. Um, and there's an apartment complex right next door that has been there for years. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of in the middle of town, um, just right off of thirty five, uh, and yeah, you know, I'm not 
condoning people going and investigating at midnight. You know, obviously don't do shit like that. That's stupid. Remember, but, no trespassing just because you're ghost hunting. But 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 there but there is a cemetery in the middle of town that's right by an apartment complex. You you, you can't miss it if you're driving off a of 35 into Denton towards downtown Denton. It's um it's basically to the east of where UNT is, the University of North Texas. Um, it's been there for years. Uh, they've been burying the cemetery. I actually looked it up. They've been burying the cemetery since the 1800s. So it, it's been there a minute. Um, it fits the criteria. It fits the geography of where he's talking about. So he says they go into this cemetery and that she's walking around talking about her family and everything. And then the creepy part about the seven white doves or yeah, something like, like he, that. He start, he, like he looks up at the sky and sees a full moon and sees like some white birds flying around or something. Yeah. And then he says he hears clarity and she starts quoting some prophecy from the Bible or something that, that involves seven white birds or something. And at this point, he says he starts getting really creeped out. Yeah. And then he turns around, and she's gone. And so you got a guy, teenage guy, like 19, who is in a cemetery at night, screaming for clarity, as (laughs) as Art said. (laughs) Yeah. And he told the story identical, just identical the same way in 2008. And he said that the end was, and, and, and you know, we just talked in the last episode about these moralistic tales that come with the end and they have to have some conclusion or some shit like that. And he said he went back like like two years later and went to like the Chamber of Commerce. No, no, he, he, you know, he said he, he went to a gas station, which was down the road. And said, yeah, I, I met some girl named Clarity here. And, you know, is there a chamber of commerce or something? I could just leave a note in case she shows up again. And apparently the guy working the midnight shift at this gas station says, yeah, dude, she crashed the car and, like, drove a truck into the gates of the cemetery and crashed it and died on impact. And so there's your ending, the same sort of ending that's there. It's the same classic, oh, this person was dead all along Yeah, clincher that you have to have at the the end of the But but, but his is even more believable because it's not like I went up to the creepy ass house and, and, you know, asked the old man what happened. Or I walked over to the the creepy abandoned looking apartments and... Yeah, or something like that. Yeah, and and her old grandma answered and said, oh yeah, Clarity's been dead for 15 years or whatever. Yeah, no, it, it, it was... It, it it just it had the ring of truth to it. That that is the only way I can describe the story. It had the ring of truth to it, and it was a good story. I I, I mean, it was one of those when, when I first listened to Coast to Coast uh, these Ghost to Ghost episodes. Really captivating story because of the way he told the story. It's definitely one of the more memorable ones from it, it, it is. all the years that Hart Bell did his Ghost to Ghost show at Halloween. Of all the years. It, it was one of the most memorable. And I like it because it, it, it fits real neatly in, into these Resurrection Mary Phantom Hitchhiker stories. I, and it, it really does. And it got me to thinking about, about another one that Art 
he had a guy on there, I guess it was in 95 or 96. It's sad. I've listened to these so <laughs> So many, many times, times that you know what years they are. <laughs> oh, actually, I have my phone right here because I wrote them down this time of year. I actually wrote it down. Let, let me find it. And there was another story of where this guy, this was in California. I, I, I distinctly remember him saying, this guy was in California and he was driving down this one road that's always been sort of purported to be haunted. And yeah, it was in 1995. Um, and this guy's just driving down the road and he sees this this woman white flowing dress same mo as all the others on the side of the road he slows down to get a look at her and instead of needing a ride he asks her do you need hey do you need a ride do you need help something like that she's just like blankly staring forward and all you can see is like like the side profile hair and everything and so he gets creeped out and he just takes off. And, and, and he said, when he took off, he kept thinking, oh shit, she's behind me. And he just kept getting this bad vibe that something's behind me. And he, he said, I didn't want to look in my damn rear view mirror. I, I, I did everything not to look in the mirror because I just knew she was behind me. And he said, he looked in his rear view mirror and he could see off to the, the passenger side of his car, this white flowing dress keeping up with him. And he's going like 60 miles an hour. And he said he got up to about 70, 75. And as he's getting up there, this thing's catching up on him. And he takes a look. He said, just did not want to look out the side window and see this. And it's a face of a skeleton with straw hair staring back at him. He said he immediately hit his brakes. And he said he was like halfway between his house and like his aunt's house or something like that. That's right. I remember this one. Yeah. He turned around and went back to yeah, it, wherever said, it is that he'd came He said from. he was not going down that road that night. And yeah, just take that story at face value. Is that different than most of the Phantom Hitchhiker ones? Yeah, absolutely. Because most yeah. of them, they're, they're whoever it is that the ghost that they meet is very friendly. They have no problem with them. They they think they're human. They think they're still living people at first. Yeah. And, uh, so, and they have no idea they're a ghost until they just disappear from nowhere. Yeah, so, you know, we've talked about Resurrection Mary in Chicago. We've talked about, like, now two in Texas, you know, the Clarity Story and uh, the Lady of the Lake in White Rock Lake. And now this one's from California, and I'll have to go back and listen to it and say it in a future episode, but there's a different flair on it. There's just a really, you know, kind of different take on it. Just really different. And, and I, I find it very, very interesting that, that, that the, there is commonality between all these. You know, be it, you know, hitchhiker on the side of the road wearing a, a white dress you know, to the MO of the story of why they're getting picked up. You know, they got dropped off from a dance or they need a ride home, something like just whatever. That there's commonality. But that one in California is just different. It, it just, it, it rings different than, than the rest of the stories just because of that difference. There's more of a horror aspect to it. 
There's more, there's something really damn frightening about that story. Um, and, and I can't remember the other details, but but I, I keep wanting to think the guy said he had been drinking or something like that, or I don't know. Which, which one? Uh, the one in California. I don't remember. Yeah, I I can't remember exactly, but 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 either way, there there is a an element to this that that still, even though the story's different, that there's like this moralistic element to the story. Maybe don't drink and drive or something like that. I don't I don't know. <laughs> but but that, that's why I find these stories so infinitely interesting because as much as they are the same, they they are different in their own little permutations. And I want to talk about. One that just I just thought of thinking about the clarity story um, in Waco, where I grew up. Uh, there is a man-made lake um, in a pretty well-to-do suburb of Waco. And, and what's interesting is this was a resort community, like a private resort community, that, that even the cops didn't go down there. You know where I'm talking yeah, about, don't you? Yeah, I, I know which one you're I, talking I'm not about. Gonna, I'm not going to say. You can look on a map. It, it's it's. Let's put it this way. There is one lake, Lake Waco. That's the big lake. This is another one just to the west of Waco. I will leave it at that. Anyway, growing up, we had always heard, and tell me how similar to the White Rock story this is, that there are, this whole resort community had been around since the 50s, and that's true. It had. Um, but there were, there was a girl who drowned there, I guess, in the early 2000s, not, not 2000s, but um, early 60s. And there were, there were stories very similar to the White Rock Lake story where you had somebody who came you know, out there walking around for whatever reason, and then they picked up this hitchhiker, whatever. Well, by the time I really started hearing about this story, and this, that's what the old timers would say about that story, if, if they said anything at all. Most of them treat that area with a lot of suspicion, like just a strange, strange little area. And even when I worked for that um, police department near us there for a couple of years while I was an undergrad, the cops didn't want to go in there. I mean, it, it was an area that just was treated as just kind of, we, if we have to respond, we have to respond. But we're not proactively going down there. It's not like proactive policing, if that makes any sense. No one wanted to proactively go in this area. <laughs> so so e even the local authorities kind of treated this place with a little skepticism. But by the time I was in high school in the early 2000s, the story was you could go out to this little lake and it was technically private, but if you knew somebody out there, everybody knew somebody that lived out there. You could go on there, you can go boating on the lake, you know, have a picnic out by the lake, you know, do whatever. Um, the story was they would see at night this woman on the water. And she would come up towards the shore. Um, I went out there one time uh, with a group of friends. And I can say 
a hundred percent, I sure shit saw something uh, on that lake. It was a pretty big lake. So, I mean, this is not like a pond, okay? But it's not as big like if you look at like a topographical map of Waco, it's not like the big lake that, you know, spans one side of the city to the other. It, but it's still a lake nonetheless. And, I mean, sure as shit, I saw a light there on that lake. In the middle of that lake. And there was no damn boats out there. It was around this time of year, too. And uh, needless to say, we didn't stay around to find out what the hell it was. Um, but the people, the brave souls that did always said that uh, this light would keep kind of coming towards you, coming towards you, and then it, it would take the figure of a woman, and then by the time it got to you, it, it was, I guess that's why I got so captivated by that, that one story out of California that that one arts show said, that, that it looked like a skeleton. Just coming towards you. So I never saw that, but I sure as shit saw a light out there. And I can tell you, based on the proximity of where houses were, there should not have been a fucking light there. <laughs> I'll put it that way. There should not have been a light. Where, where you saw that light would have truly been in the middle of the lake. Sure shit in the middle of the lake, yeah. I, absolutely. I 100% saw it. And uh, that, that was, God, it was creepy. But then again, here you go. Here's another story like that. And, and it just, it, these stories morph over time. And this one, this one certainly did. Um, you know, like I said, in, in, the, in the 50s, it started as, oh, you know, this woman might have you pick her up and, ta and take her like into town or something. Because where this was was outside of Waco and you had to drive a good six, 10 miles into town. You know, if you want town proper into Waco, it, it's it's really in a suburban area, and then it morphs into this whole thing. But she's really on the lake. It, it's like a La Llorona tale almost. That that are you seeing where some yeah, of these the, are going? Oh, oh, there's definitely elements of La Llorona yeah. to that one. Yeah, are, are you seeing where this is going? But because it, I mean, it absolutely has tinges of that. And some of these stories I've heard now. Which makes sense being in Texas, but... Yeah, but some of these stories I've heard now with uh, White Rock Lake and some of these more contemporary ones. I've, I've been on Reddit recently and just kind of asking, just in passing, if anybody had those experiences. I was actually in the Dallas subreddit a, a little while ago asking about this. And, and, and one guy on there was very, very, I mean, very eloquent, totally very good story. And, and his had that tinge of La Llorona too. And I remember I asked him, you know, when was this? You know, how long ago was this? And he said it was like in the 90s. So you're seeing these stories kind of morph and take characteristics of these other tales too, these other folklore tales, like La Llorona. Do you want to briefly tell that whole La Llorona yeah, story? Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, so if you don't know the story of La Llorona, it's a, it's a Hispanic folk tale, and basically the way it goes, I don't remember the the beginnings of the story, but the, the gist of what happened is you have a, a, a woman who's the mother of a couple of kids, two or three kids, and I, I don't remember why, I don't remember the circumstances, but... For some reason or another, she ends up drowning her children. Mm -hmm. 
And the story goes that from then on, if you are near the lake or the river or wherever it was that she's said to have drowned her children, you'll, you'll hear her crying, which is what La Llorona means, which is the, the crying one. And you'll hear her crying. And if you hear her crying, then you know that she's, she's coming for you. And the story, some, some, some versions of the story, you just hear her crying, you, you see her out, you know, floating, walking, whatever, on the water. Some versions of the story, you, you hear her crying, and then, you know, you, you end up losing, if you're a parent, you end up losing one of your children, and the story is that, you know, La Llorona's come and take your, your child, too. But, yeah, yeah the, the, you know, the, the lady in the white dress floating on the water, very much... Very La Llorona flavor to that, and, the, and then yeah, it just it just made me think the way you told that it made me think of the old Celtic Irish tale of the Banshee. The similarities there, I mean, there there is that, you know, th- that connection of, of the 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 wailing woman who uh, heralds the death of a family member, and you look at there, and there's just a different permutation. That's children, only children, and. It made me think, you know, it's very appropriate this time of year. It made me think of that one episode, uh, Halloween episode of Ghost Adventures when they were in Ireland. Do you remember that one? Yes. When Aaron, yes, Aaron I heard, I, and you sure as yes. shit heard that screaming. And yes, Aaron said he very clearly heard a woman screaming. Yeah, when they were in Ireland. Mm-hmm. And I. I it's interesting. I mean, these tales are almost as old as civilization itself. I mean, if you trace them back far enough, they're they're really there. So you know, there we go. We're we're kind of left with this whole question of we're we're carrying obviously a social memory. There 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 is a element of social memory in folklore to all this, but you see all these different little permutations over time, and. The, the one I still can't figure out and, and the one that bothers me the most about the, the Phantom Hitchhiker stories here in Texas is, is this difference of what happened between like the 50s and the 90s where these Phantom Hitchhiker stories go from the, that kind of quintessential Resurrection Mary Chicago style story of it's truly a hitchhiker, right? To now being like a La Llorona style. And I'm just wondering what happened as a historian. I'm trying to wonder what can I point to socially? What can I point to to say, well, maybe that's the reason for the change. You see where I'm going with this? Or am I just off base? No, no I, yeah, I see where you're going. You're from, you know, nice, happy, you meet a nice hitchhiker, but oh, oops, they happen to be dead stories to this to, very menacing but yeah, yeah much more creepy much more menacing truly you know campfire scare the shit out of your kids ghost story yeah it's it's just odd and i, I don't know m- m- maybe there is something to be said just about society in general that that you know, we have to go back to the 50s because a lot of these took place in the 50s. And like we said in the last episode, what was the whole gist of the 50s? People were putting on the happy face in threat of nuclear apocalypse. You, you know? 
kids, we have an oven, we have a microwave, we have shit like that at home. Smile, but the world duck and is cover. Great. But duck and cover. <laughs> so, so, so maybe these tales did exist, but people were too scared, or these experiences did happen, but people were too scared at the time because of being, you know, socially ostracized. <laughs> From telling these stories. And, and, and you know, honestly, I honestly think it's a miracle we have stories even out of that era to begin with. J- just w- with the amount of social ostr- ostracization that went on at that point in time to where if you didn't fit the mold, you know, everybody looked at you weird in the 50s. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, if, if, if you weren't June Cleaver at that point, you weren't doing your job right. You know, and everybody had to have their roles. That, that That's the one thing I, I always taught in, in the 50s. Everybody had a role. Everybody had a role to fit. And if you didn't fit that role, you, you yes, know. And you were expected to fit that role and only that role. Yeah. It was a very, very different time from now. And it just, it just makes me wonder if just going through the 60s, and then that inevitable pessimism after Vietnam into the 70s it just carried over. And now we have just these different takes on old stories. And it's it's really coming from, God, I almost think a Gen X <laughs> kind of view. I mean, am I off base no. here? Am I just talking I shit? Gonna I was going to say, well, the, the, if the ones you're talking about were from the 90s, then, you know, that's full-on grunge era, so that makes sense. And even though we're millennials, we we have more in common with the Gen Xers, just in our our pessimistic (laughs) outlook on life, I guess. Hey, hey, we we are, if we have to be called millennials, we are Xennials, okay? We're that weird crossover between Gen X and millennial. But but you think of that. It's interesting that now you have this potential to really kind of look at folklore and say it's it was very tinged in some way because you know I didn't ask the people on, on Reddit their ages but but you could kind of tell from their post and what they talked about and the nostalgia element the shit they talked about that they were absolutely Gen Xers the ones that 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 recounted stories that were similar to that they were absolutely Gen Xers so I I guess in some way it kind of just makes sense. Because a Gen Xer would tell the story that way. As a, think of it that way. That, and, and we'll kind of end this on this. It's an experiment I've done teaching history before. I would tell a class to take a mundane event. Like, I went to class this morning. I forgot my book. And I had to go to the library to, to check out and rent a book before I went to class because I had to have the book for class, right? And I actually had one class do this where they, where they wrote this out. I said, I want you to ask people of three different age groups to retell that story, tell that story to them, come back in a day or so and let them retell that story that you told them. And you'd be amazed at the differences that comes out based on the generational gaps between there. I, I, I did that with one of my classes, and it, it was very, very interesting to see. 
that, that you're telling three people of three generations the exact same story. And then you, you give this latent period, this, this incubation period, so, so to speak, where they then, they then come back and you have them retell that story. And it comes out different. So I think it says a lot about generations too. I think, I think it says a lot about that. And I, I think these Resurrection Mary, these Phantom Hitchhiker stories are a good sort of test subject for that because they're so damn prevalent that you can see those different takes by the generations. Yeah, and like you said, it's interesting to see the generational flavor that these stories get. Because they absolutely have one. They, they absolutely do. And that's why I wanted to spend you know two episodes talking about this, because it's so damn prevalent. You cannot hear a ghost story this time of year without somebody recounting a similar story to this. They are so damn prevalent. And so... I mean, based on my own personal experience, even though I didn't see the straw, the you know the 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 ghost faced woman come scare the hell out of me, <laughs> uh, I, I sure shit saw a lot enough to tell me that common sense tells me to go the other way. <laughs> I did what Art Bell said. I wasn't the woman in the low cut dress going Who down goes into and the checks basement. The, the creepy sound in the basement. No, I hauled ass the other way. Is what I did. And if anybody wants to stay around, that's on them, not me. But. For the people who did actually experience this, which I truly, truly believe people are, I think what we're seeing is people are retelling through the lens of how they view the world. I think these stories are coming off that way, and, and it's because that's the only lens they have to work with. And if that's the case, then you would expect to see those changes in trends across generations the way it seems like we are. Yeah. It just makes the most sense. If, if, if that makes any sense to me, it, it's the thing that, that seems the most likely example of why we see such differences in these stories, that, that we're seeing generational shift. And we say differences with a grain of salt because differences, yes, but they are still very much They're still very the much same the story. same stories. And, you know... For the cases where, where this is 100% the gospel truth and people actually witness this, there's a lot of scary shit out there. <laughs> and I'll, I'll leave it on that. There's probably a lot of scary shit out there. And my recommendation, if you heard anything we've talked about in the past couple of episodes, said, damn, I got to just go see where this is. Go in the day. Um, the part of Dallas I talked about with the Lady of the Lake and White Rock Lake, do not go there at night. Please don't go there at night. It is not safe. If you enjoyed what you heard, be sure to like this episode, leave us a comment, and subscribe to our podcast. We're always looking for new material, so if you have a story you'd like to share, please feel free to reach out to us. Our contact information is in the description.